The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 389 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic is... Trauma, Mental Health and Addictions, A Lifelong Healing Journey. Now, 70% of mental health disabilities and addictions start during childhood and adolescence. Youths and young adults aged 15 to 24 are more likely than any other age groups to experience mental health disabilities and addiction problems or just addiction problems. Addiction problems in children, youths, and adults arise especially from the use, or let's call it what it is, abuse of illegal substances, addictive pain relief medications, and alcohol. Addiction problems in children, youths, and adults create serious challenges for family caregivers, especially parents and spouses and partners and siblings, um, arrange serious cause serious problems for health systems, cause serious problems for justice and social systems, and for employers. All of which is why our topic, Trauma, Mental Health and Addictions, A Lifelong Healing Journey, is so important for family caregivers. To discuss it, our guests are Ernest Matten and Tom Regeer. Uh, Ernest's other name is Little Brown Bear. He's a Metis helper and guide who blends mainstream information with Aboriginal teachings that are culturally sensitive and appropriate for individuals on their healing journeys. He's a member of the Canadian Addiction Counselors Certification Federation and the Ontario Association of Consultants, Counselors, Psychometrists and Psychotherapists, among others, and he's a certified Gladue writer. He's a seminar speaker and group facilitator on topics such as addictions, trauma, grief, loss, suicide, conflict resolution, medicine wheel, seven grandfather teachings, and anger release. And with his years of experience and on on and off reserve with mainstream agencies, he focuses on bringing balance and inspiration to everyday life. Now, Tom's been self-employed since he was 14. He's the founder of CAST, that's C-A-S-T, Canada. CAST Canada coordinates workshops, conferences, and keynote speaking to help professionals and corporations to better understand trauma 
and unresolved grief in addictions, homelessness, chronic unemployment and mental illness. Tom reflects his own direct lived experience with these challenges. He's developed his materials from over 80 panel discussions in which individuals recovering from trauma and addictions offer feedback to service providers and clinicians for whom he's developed unique trauma-based workshops. His materials have been adopted by McMaster University. He travels to Ontario high schools to educate youths about addiction in their communities and their homes. So welcome to the show, Ernest and Tom. Well, thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Gordon. Now, Ernest, let's start with you. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and your work. Ernest? Well, let's just say I've been doing this for the better part of 30 years in helping people along their uh, their journey, Gordon, and identifying uh, ways to help them, uh, sometimes through daily life, uh, helping family members as well, um, stay focused on what they need for their own care and to help the other person that is suffering from trauma, mental health, and addictions. Uh, I currently um, facilitate a program in Toronto uh, for the um, Aboriginal population, which is uh, Métis, First Nations, and Inuit uh, individuals. Um, I continually upgrade myself by the stories of the uh, individuals that share their stories with me to help them along their journeys. And um, just, you know what, just to provide some good support systems and some techniques for them to continue along and um, helping each other in uh, the communities and for their nations as well. Now, now, Tom, please tell us more about your life, your career, and your work. Thank you, Gordon. Um, I think the relevant piece for this uh, show is early in my life, my mother's uh, mental illness and later addiction and uh, how that affected me as a child. I was very blessed and very lucky to have a loving and attentive father and an older sister who uh, did a fair amount of mothering and caring. Um, The effects on my sister uh, basically losing her childhood to needing to take care of me and my mother and to some extent uh, the rest of us uh, play a huge role in who and what I am. Uh, After my sister moved out, the traumas caused by addiction and mental health became more severe, and further traumas uh, had a large effect on my life. Um, When I was in my early 20s, I lost a main relationship, and then I lost a job. Then I lost what amounted to a good career, and by mid-30s, I was fully street entrenched, homeless, uh, one set of clothes, uh, slept in stairwells, etc. Um, a series of events involving other live human beings, as opposed to introspection, created a situation where I chose to live. And uh, then, uh, through in addiction recovery, started some support groups. Response to the sport groups was strong, and I found myself doing speeches to audiences that I found needed a better understanding of trauma. And I've been doing a better job of answering those questions by hiring professionals and listening to people with direct lived experience ever since. 
Right, Tom, that's great. Now, we'll, we'll be going back to what you've been talking about, but time presses, as it always does. So, Ernest, please tell us what's involved for mature adults in the trauma that we're going to be talking about. Ernest? Well, I think, first of all, Gordon, what, um, what really needs to happen is the person needs to um, step out of what we call, I guess, the denial uh, that, that, that their lives are not running so well. So once they start to identify that step out of the denial, we can start looking at different timelines in their life of, uh, of traumatic issues. One of the things that I've found is, is some individuals want to tackle everything at once. And when they do that, they become very overwhelmed. So a lot of the trauma issues should be dealt with in timelines and one issue at a time and not to move so quickly uh, through it so that they can uh, help themselves so when something does happen, they have the tools uh, to help themselves. So I think really um, looking at timelines, the types of trauma, because trauma is not the same for everybody else, so we need to identify that as well. Right. Now, Tom, please tell us what's involved for youth in the trauma that we're going to be talking about. Youths. Tom? Yeah, in terms of youth and the trauma that we're going to be talking about, um, it's common for people to think of trauma as uh, uh, only sexual abuse, violence, or witnessing violence, and these things are valid and real. However, um, later in life and when we're actually talking to youth, there are some other pervasive ideas uh, that are as damaging and more common. Uh, one is just lack of proper attachment uh, as an infant uh, when they learn to uh, respond to other humans. Um, another thing is uh, cycles of abandonment. If you can imagine somebody is abandoned over and over again, even if it's just perceived, and that can be uh, many types. Uh, severe neglect has a severe negative effect on how a brain forms and how a child forms. Also, living under threat, uh, threat of violence, threat of um, further emotional persecution, again, causes the brain to form different and the child to form different. Um, and these are issues that manifest throughout an entire life. The... Uh, child has no idea what's going on, no language to describe it, and lives in personal terror, um, doesn't know how to ask, most often believes that it's only unique to them, most often believes whatever's going on is their fault. So it'll be like I like the, the phrase terror in your chest, that's the way it was for me, I, I believe is accurate. Um, so the living in the unknowing and the uncertainty is hell. Right. Now, at that particular point, we're going to go for the break. This is where I always like to say to everybody, um, this is where we pay the rent. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Latherley, and my guests are Ernest Matten and Tom Regea. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. 
Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Adoption changes a family forever. For the adopters as well as the adoptees, there are many adjustments that need to be made, from lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Lots of people talk about publishing their work but have no idea where to start. If you are one of these aspiring authors or know somebody who is, don't miss Publishing Today Radio with Athena Dean Holtz. Thought leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and in general, storytellers all want to get their messages in print. And that includes branding and marketing. Athena and her guests are here to answer your publishing questions and more. Tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Ernest Matten and Tom Regeer. Our topic is trauma. Mental Health and Addictions, A Lifelong Healing Journey. Now, both of you, let's talk about the challenges for cre- created for mature adults, youths, and families by the trauma that you've both described. So, Ernest, you first. Please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for mature adults by the trauma you've described. Ernest? Well, some of the challenges or the challenging challenges, uh, Gordon, are uh, trust, uh, being scared, uh, shame, uh, guilt, and to cover that up with uh, the use of uh, addictions. And addictions is not only drugs and alcohol. Addictions can be uh, food addiction, can be gambling, can be sex, can be um, Internet, can be chat lines. The challenging thing is, is they want to escape from it. So one of the things is you either run away from the pain or you run towards pleasure. So teaching them um, how to work through that. And one of the things that when I'm talking with them, one of the things that I say to them is pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. What you're going to go through is going to be painful, and we need to identify that right, you know, right from the start. However, the silver lining around that is the suffering will be optional once they've gone through some of this stuff and they've dealt with some of this stuff and that uh, they can say, it wasn't my fault, I can forgive and I can move on with my life. With the addictions part of it, and I truly believe this, is that trauma drives addictions and mental health issues and addictions drives mental health issues as well. Once they start dealing with the trauma issues, it's amazing how they stop using substances to get through the day or to escape from it. 
Yeah, yeah. We, we, we'll come back to that particular point that you've just made later on. Um, key point. Now, Tom, please highlight for us what you see, you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for youth, youths, by the trauma that you've described. Tom? Yeah, thank you. Uh, the first thing I need to say is that Little Bear hit on all of the key points on this entire issue in that last segment. Um, and one of the things you can't see on radio, of course, is when Little Bear mentioned trust. I'm over here nodding my head right off. This is absolutely key. For the youth, the most challenging of challenges, if you don't have trust, you have terror in your chest, what can you possibly do? You're left in a limbo that is literally hell. Um, so the, challenge, the most challenging of the challenges created for youth by trauma is living in the hell and not having trust. And that's compounded by the fact that they often don't have language. They can't describe what is going on, right? So the challenge for the youth is not being able to describe uh, needing to stay in it. The next piece is, uh, with my experience talking to youth, by the time they've been accustomed to, adapted to, or adept at dealing with any particular type of situation, it's often changed. I was just getting used to grade six, and we went to a senior public school. I was just getting accustomed to that, and we moved. I was just getting accustomed to this, and mom was transferred to another institution. And so the, the lack of stability is uh, common. And, and that, uh, carry on, Tom, carry on. Yeah, the, the challenge for caregivers is also um, di not diagnosing, is my child sullen or is there something really going on? Without language, people often just go quiet. It's quite the right. challenge. Right. Now, back to Ernest. Please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for the families of mature adults who are living with the challenges you've described. Ernest? Yeah, uh, Gordon, sometimes that can be a hard one because uh, dealing with families um, through this, um, sometimes it's what's called the family secret, right? So they don't want to tell anybody. Um, they want to hide things, uh, keep up appearances. Um, they're basically living in a survival mold. They're not living anymore. They're simply surviving from day to day, from day to day, from day to day. And so to actually acknowledge what is going on becomes really big for them. And when each family member acknowledges it as well, also sometimes the lack of support groups as well. There's, there's not very many support groups um, that are willing to stand up and say, you know what, we are living with individuals that are suffering, and they are suffering from trauma. And so they need to have a lot more um, support groups um, that do come forward and say, listen, we need help. Um, we've been keeping this family secret. Um, we just can't hide it anymore. Just let me clarify that. When you say the, the secret has been hidden, who's basically doing the hiding, Ernest? The family members are hiding it because they don't want other people to know what's going on in their lives. Instead of asking and coming out and asking for help, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges is, is coming out and asking for that help and that help being readily available to them. Yeah, yeah. Now, Tom, back to you. 
please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for the families of youth, youths, who are listening, living with the challenges you've described. Tom? Thank you. The uh, most challenging of the challenges for the families, um, I see, uh, and it's going to sound familiar, is not being sure what to do and not knowing how to communicate, not being able to communicate. Again, this is from lack of language to describe the situation and lack of trust. As I started to say earlier, they may not know anything is severely wrong. Some kids are quiet. All kids are different from each other. How much do you intervene? It could be a situation where discipline doesn't work, direct communication isn't going on, isn't working. So they live in limbo. When you start talking about what is known as challenging behavior, acting out, it can cause a lot of pain. Uh, I know in my acting out years, I caused severe pain. I severely regret what I, the pain I caused to my family, and I was lashing out because of the trauma that Little Bear was um, describing. Uh, the pain has to come out somewhere. Um, the other challenge for families as Little Bear was saying, is lack of services, lack of support. Once you decide to ask for help, it's quite often that there isn't any or it isn't appropriate or you're not treated with a lot of respect. A final uh, challenge for families, and this is a big one, is when the family becomes attached to the idea of being in crisis, they get attached to the idea of having a big thing to take care of, and they call it codependency and they take on the identity of family in crisis. Uh, trauma and uh, urgency and chaos are as addictive as other substances, and it can uh, reinforce the need for the big family secret. Uh, when this uh, phenomenon is in play, it can be extremely difficult to either uh, intervene or help make progress if one of the family members reaches out. Right. Now, back to you, Ernest. Do you see in mature adults and their family caregivers this same story or same description that we've just heard from Tom? That is to say, there's that sense of pain, looking for help and not finding it, and that sense of not being sure what to be looking for in, in, in any case. Now, perhaps I'm not being quite fair to Tom in what I've just said, but what's your sense of the families, what the families of mature adults go through? Ernest? Well, the thing is, uh, Gordon, if you, if you put yourself in their shoes, it's their pain. Everybody has felt pain. Everybody has had some sort of trauma in their lives. You need to put yourself in their shoes. It's, it's their pain you may have experienced pain, but you also got to realize that it's their pain that they're going through. You cannot compare yourself to them, but you need to have an understanding so you identify with them what their pain is. And I think once they, once they start to build, and we're going back to what we've been talking about as well, is that trust issue. Once you start mm-hmm. to build trust or build a rapport, then the more apt to come forward, the more apt to start talking about those those painful memories um, that's been eating away at them for a better part of their lives. Yeah. Tom, back to you. The pain. People who are fortunate enough not to have gone through that pain themselves or witnessed it in a family member, please explain a little bit more 
to them and us what the pain in youths actually is. How do they feel it? What do they experience? Tom? The pain that the youth actually feel uh, is nebulous. It's vague. It's sometimes um, physical, but it's usually mental anguish. Uh, It's a combination of fear and terror, and it has no home. It has no beginning. It has no end. Um, That's part of the largest fear. We all know that we can tolerate grief. For example, when I was younger, uh, if one of my grandparents passed away, I knew we would cry, but we would move on. With this type of terror, there is no moving on. There is no end. There is no uh, acknowledged grieving. It's living in, in unknowing and believing you are all alone. The largest tragedy is commonly perceived of lack of connection to other humans. But in fact, the largest tragedy is lack of connection to self. Please say more about, just very quickly, that connection to self. What, give me a sort of an example of the way in which um, a youth might experience that. Tom? The easiest example is to think about how a self-esteem cycle works. You have a positive experience, you feel a little better of yourself, you take on a higher challenge, and you see how it would cycle up over time. Imagine if that is a machine, as opposed to being hobbled or crippled, that machine is smashed. There is no sense of self, there is no sense of being part of, included, or loved. You cannot take in love, and you are utterly alone in the universe. People can say, I love you. You've learned, you know, Little Bear hit it right on the head with his very first word, trust. If somebody says they love you, you don't trust them. In fact, they're probably getting ready to hurt you. And so um, the, the, it's an existential um, disconnect, but it's very real. And so the pain is, is all that you have. Just very quickly, because we've only a few seconds left. Ernest, is that pain that Tom's described also present with mature adults in the way that Tom's described it? Ernest? Well, absolutely it is. Uh, the pain sometimes can be unbearable. That's why people turn to, uh, to substance uses or, or eating. or, or stuff. Listen, look, look at it this way. When you were growing up and you had your first crush, and then all of a sudden you got dumped and you were seven years old. That was a very yes. traumatic issue. What did you do? Some people turned to food. Uh, some people turned to, uh, to isolation and stuff, right? So if, if you look at it that way, it's just as painful for youth as it is for adult people. In fact, sometimes it may even be even heightened for that reason as well. Right. All of which point strengthens the idea of the journey, doesn't it? There are no immediate cures in the way that everybody's looking for. This is a journey of caring and tackling the kind of things you've both been talking about. Now, we once more have to go to the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Athey, and my guests are Ernest Matten and Tom Regeer. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice American Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Ernest Martin and Tom Regeer. Our topic is Trauma, Mental Health and Addictions, A Lifelong Healing Journey. Now, both of you, please highlight for us what the healing journey involves for mature adults, youth or youths, and their families and how it can be supported. So, Ernest, please start with you. Highlight for us what the healing journey involves and how it can be supported for the challenges you've just been talking about for mature adults. Ernest? Well, I think... uh one of the first things is, um, Gordon, for me, it's, it's imperative that this is done, is you need to have a very safe, confidential, non-judgmental environment for them when they come in. They have to feel that they're safe and that uh, they're able to share about what they need to share. The other thing is, is you need to identify the different timelines of where trauma issues or trauma challenges uh, took place for them and that they found challenging to deal with on their own. After that, you need to work through each issue one at a time. So I like to use what's called the puzzle theory. So we would take a puzzle, maybe a 12-piece puzzle, 10 of those pieces, we would mark down different uh, traumatic issues, and two of them would have free days on them. So when they would come in, we would pull one, and that would be the one that we would work on. If they had a free day, then they had a free day. But they didn't have to do everything at once. And they need to know that, that this is not an overnight thing. 
this is a journey, a journey, and and the destination for them is to have that healing for themselves so they can be happy once again. They can actually have a good belly laugh for themselves. So that needs to be in there. That needs to be fundamentally always, always put in about a safe and confidential environment. The other thing is um, what I like to do is I like to match the individuals, and if they want to go to a healing lodge or to a treatment center, I make sure that they're matched properly so that they're going to get what they need when they go there. One of the things is you just don't say, okay, we're going to send you here. That would be more devastating for them than anything else. So they need to be, they need to have the, the confidence in themselves that they're going to be taken care of when they go to you. They're going to you, and you have their lives in your hand. So you need to be able to match them properly so they can get the proper healing or treatment that they're looking for. Right. Now, I'm wanting to get particularly get you both to talk about the what the healing journey actually involves. Now, what we're talking about now is the healing journey, Tom, please, for youths by the trauma. And I'm interested also in the way in which it might be a similar story in that way to the one that Ernest has just been talking to us. And by the way, when I use story, don't mean that it's invented. I mean, this is an account of something that actually happened. So, Tom, what's the healing journey and what does it involve for youths? Tom? I think um, allowing for the, the key point that is always the key point, as Little Bear mentioned, is the safe environment. Uh, for youth, it could be quite various. Uh, it may be a classroom. It may be a room in the home. It may be uh, wherever it turns out to be. Uh, some youth workers I know meet kids in parks or at the pool hall, um, but it must be safe for them. Uh, they must learn that they will not be betrayed again. Uh, then the, the healing journey for youth also, um, if you're going to send them for treatment, it's critical. If you don't, if you don't have to, you don't. But then the healing journey for youth, one of the unique things, is helping the youth to identify and accept the large emotions. Um, it isn't uncommon, in my experience, that kids start with inner and outer emotions. Well, what's an inner one? What's an outer one? And then categorizing them, and then learning that they pass and to deal with them. So that the large emotions inside become less terrifying. A, other people have them too, and it makes sense for you to have these emotions. B, they can take you over, but not forever. See, as you get stronger, they don't take you over. And then as the kids gather their understanding of their emotion, it gives the language for a professional like Little Bear to step in and actually work with. So the journey starts with uh, identifying the issue, accepting it, uh, creating the safe spaces in there, of course, identifying language, uh, and moving on. Another key point, and this is, again, you know, it's a common truth, is the idea, this is work. It's hard work. But, boy, it's going to pay off. It's hard work that can be done. Success can be achieved. There will be tears, there will be belly laughs, but it's hard work. And then pointing out success and helping the youth realize, hey, you've made success, and then helping them sit with it and help them feel stronger, 
finally the journey is passing over the mechanisms learned, the tools learned, and lessons learned, so the uh, youth, as they grow, can carry on on their own journey. Right. Now, back, back again to you, Ernest. The, talking about the healing journey and what it involves and how it can be supported for the families of mature adults. Please talk about that, Ernest. Well, that, that would go along, you know, the same way as you need to have a safe, confidential environment, a trusting environment uh, for the family members where they can come and share openly and not worry about being uh, uh, laughed at or, 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 or judged uh, for, for that matter. They, they need to know that they can feel safe when they're, when they're, when they're sharing about stuff. Uh, they also need, um, like as Tom said, the language, the language, because when people are getting healing or treatment, the family needs to know what kind of language is being spoken as well. And also the other thing around that is helping them to grow a tougher skin, not to personalize uh, everything that is, that is happening, and for them to practice forgiveness for themselves. I deal with a lot of families that uh, not only sexual abuse but uh, um, uh, bullying as well in schools and stuff, and some of the families take it on themselves, but it's not their fault as well. So they need to be able to learn how to forgive and to move forward with that and not drag that with them throughout their lives. And if some of them need to go to a family program, then we make arrangements for them to go to a family program so they can get that extra support system. And having that support system, I believe, Gordon, is critical uh, for family members so they have a safe place to go. And it's just to clarify something for me. Um, when you're talking about families in this context and the question of them being in an environment where they are feeling secure and trust can be built, are you talking about all the family members being together in one place at one time? Yes, I am. Because you have to bring both together to start that healing process. They have to start to talk with each other. And that, that all not only goes for immediate family members like mom and dad, brothers and sisters, the siblings as well. Some to, sometimes there's friends. Sometimes grandparents are involved. So the way that I look at it is this. You start to heal the individual, then you start to heal the family, then you heal the community, and then you start to heal the nation. But they all have a part and they all have a role in that healing journey. Right. Now, back to you, Tom. Healing journey and what it involves for the families of youths for the trauma you've been talking about. Tom? Yeah, the, um, the thing with the family is open communication as much as possible. And then one of the things I've noticed is it isn't uncommon that one or two family members won't join the safe place right away. They need to watch. So in encouraging the family to create that safe place and negotiate it, I've watched it happen very successfully where people have very foreign ideas in terms of a written agreement on the safe space. The most beautiful one I saw was the first one. The family set aside Sunday morning. Uh, forgiveness in advance, confidentiality, and it morphed throughout the rest of the week but not everybody joined at first. How the people that didn't join at first were treated was critical for long-term success. Uh, they were treated with compassion and, and come along later. Uh, the second piece is within the safe space, it wasn't 
everybody focusing on the youth. If you imagine you put the youth in the middle and everybody looks at them, that's not how it is. Everybody has an equal role. Everybody's allowed to ask questions. Everybody's allowed to not know things. Um, so for the caregivers, um, one of the, the next things is, I, I think Little Bear talked about a tough skin. You need to have firm, consistent, and appropriate boundaries and rules and limits within the safe space. Without that safe container, you don't have safety. Uh, some people say, okay, you've got to be in by 10. You've got to do this wrong. Some people say, okay, you're suffering. You can have whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. You can do whatever. Wrong. Love is perceived as healthy boundaries and limits. It's part of society. It's part of a family is mutual respect. When those things are named and easy to follow, the healing can start. The open emotions can start. And then the type of care that a professional like Little Bear can um, deliver can actually have a, a place to grow. Uh, and Tom, can I just add to that? Please. Go ahead. One of the things that, uh, that Tom just touched on, I think, is very, very, very huge, is the boundaries and identifying boundaries. Because boundaries, you have four different types of boundaries. You've got rigid boundaries, you've got no boundaries, you've got partial boundaries, and then you've got healthy boundaries. And helping them to identify what those boundaries are and the roles they play. Healthy is always the best of the boundaries. Partial boundaries are very confusing. They can do a lot of damage because one day they're there, the next day they're not. One day they're there, the next day they're not. So you really got to have a really good sense of what the boundaries are when you when you start to identify these things. Yeah. Because yeah. the boundaries are perceived just, as love. Yeah. Just say that again, Tom, because I over, I spoke over you. Please repeat what you just said. Good boundaries, well chosen and well maintained, are perceived as love. Right. Right. And. They're part of the security, the sense of security and the sense of trust, too, I think. Absolutely, Gordon, and caring. Yeah, right. Now, once more, the, we've come to the time to take the break, so we'll do that. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Ernest Matten and Tom Regeer. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. 
What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Ernest Martin and Tom Regeer. Our topic is trauma, mental health and addictions, a lifelong healing journey. Now, both of you, please, let's talk about the things that you would like to do and see done to promote support in overcoming the challenges we've discussed. You've emphasized, you may have used a different word, but you've emphasized time and time again throughout this the need to make sure that there's some kind of help available, whether we call it support or whatever, for people who are struggling with the sort of challenges you've been talking about. So first of all, Ernest, what more would you like to do to promote support for mature adults and their families when they're living with the challenges you've been talking about? Ernest? Well, I think one of the uh, things that we have touched on, I think both uh, Tom and myself, has been around relationships, building a healthy relationship. And that's not only with yourself, but that's with other people as well. When you start to build a relationship, you start to build a good foundation for yourself. If you don't know who you are, how can you tell people what you're about? So you need to start building a healthy relationship. So the first thing you need to do is you need to start to like yourself. Then you can like somebody else. To love yourself, then love somebody else. And then practicing communication. Tom talked about communication, the sending and receiving of a clear message. You need to have that at the forefront, how you communicate with each other, how you communicate with yourself, how you communicate with life in general. The other thing around that is compromising, compromising. And the last one is, is commitment, following through with what you say that you're going to do. So if you're going to do something, follow through with it. The last thing I'd like just to point out is when I'm teaching, I talk about love. Love is an action without expectations. So if you're doing something, you're doing it because you're doing it out of love. You don't expect anything in return. It goes back to, remember 1914, I got you a cup of coffee, now you really owe me? That doesn't need to happen. That needs to come naturally and without any expectations whatsoever. 
Right. Tom, what more would you like to do to, and to see done by whom to promote support for youth in the way that you've both been talking about? Tom? Thank you. I believe the, what I'd like to do is find a way to communicate to young parents to choose to have children. And in a perfect world, remember, it's a family. The parents would be adept in a way that Little Bear just outlined. They would be good communicators. They would be compassionate. They would know when to ask for help. They would know how to compromise. They would know how to love. When a child receives that just after birth or and at birth, uh, and they respond well, it helps build a healthy attachment uh, potential in the child. When the child learns healthy problem-solving from the parents, then the child learns healthy problem-solving. When the child has firm, beautiful, helpful boundaries and rules, not too strict, but like Little Bear said, not too soft, what we need to do is communicate to the parents to, to help the children learn. They will become more resilient. The next place action is needed in the Algoma region in northern Ontario. They have programs in kindergarten, grade one, and grade two to teach problem-solving skills. Why is that relevant? As opposed to taking on the trauma of a loss, the kids learn to deal with it. Instead of taking on the trauma of of an incident at recess, they learn to deal with it. Then they learn they can deal with it. And um, the other place is the media and the attitude towards behavior among youth that are suffering can be changed from this kid did something harmful, the boy, this kid must be suffering. That's what I'd like to see done. Very powerful. Now, just very quickly, um, to, to ask you both, does this come back to, yes or no, the idea that there has to be more support for young families and families who are struggling, whether it's education or whatever it is, are we doing enough? I think that you've already answered that question is no. Uh, do you both agree that more needs to be done? I agree that more needs to be done. We need to have more education. You can't, uh, the, this word prevention, you can't prevent, but what you need to do is you need to learn how to educate. Um, I think education is going to be one of the most powerful tools um, that people are going to have. And if they're educated and they know where to get the help, then they're going to use that. But then again, I go back to that trusting environment, that confidential environment. They need to feel safe as well. Right. Tom, what do you think about the the idea of education or another thing? Tom? Um, Education is absolutely key. Um, An educated couple who's choosing whether or not to have children will make healthier choices. An educated family will make healthier choices when, you know, as Little Bear said, you can't prevent, so you need to know how to respond. Um, When things do happen, you can respond in such a way that doesn't cause more harm and don't start the secret cycle. Uh, Family secrets often go in cycles and they build and you lie about this, you have to lie about that. More can be done by extended families and neighbors. Um, our, you know, the Western world per se seems to have forgotten about that. In terms of uh, social service agencies and the healthcare system, not only could more be done, but what's being done could be changed in such a way that it doesn't further traumatize 
which is very often the case. The lack of understanding of what's going on is further traumatizing youth and families. Now, I'd just like to pick up on the word understanding, because one of the ways that understanding is built is by listening to others who've been traveled the same route, travel the same journey. Maybe they're further down the journey or further along in the journey than I am, but listening to them is helpful. Now, this is a loaded question in the sense that I'm a great believer in archives of the kind of episode which we three are having now. And I just want to know from both of you whether you think that having more discussions like this one in the archive would be helpful. First of all, Ernest and then Tom, do you support the idea of archives, in other words, of discussions? Ernest? I really do support that. Um, it gives a place where people can go and they can research and they can also get ideas. Um, they can get information to help themselves and to help their loved ones. Um, I Absolutely, I support that 100%, Gordon. Thank you. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, it would be hard to stress how much I support the idea for several reasons. If you reflect a little bit on the nature of the individual who is suffering, in this day and age, I, uh, accessing uh, an archive would deliver a lot of things. Normalization, it's not just me. Language that they don't have. Actions, hope. Uh, listening will literally deliver hope. On a slightly different note, when I was uh, diagnosed with cancer, um, I found the archive of an individual in the United Kingdom who had had cancer similar to mine, and it had massive uh, effect, positive effect on my entire journey. I, tr right. I strongly support the archive. Right. You know what else that does, Tom, as well, is it allows somebody, if somebody's really scared or for the first time they've actually identified trauma issues and they can't go to anybody else, I think that provides a very good source of information for them so they can, like, like you said, they can go there and say, you know what, other people have gone through this. Exactly. Been there. That's right. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this great episode. Ernest and Tom, thank you very much. Um, I May I say this to you personally? I think what you're doing is heroic. You have yourselves applied your own experience, your own insights, and developed an expertise which is necessary and is important. And all I can say to you is please keep up this work and if there's more than I can more that I can do through having you as my guest again I'd love to do it. Now I want thank to you. say thank you to our listeners. Um, just to explain quickly, with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research, which this episode is part of. The idea is to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've just been listening to, and for you to share with us your experiences of healthcare. So please email me to hear more or get involved. And also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, here's how to connect with me. Please email me at docg at familycaregiversunite, all one word, dot org. Now, our next episode will be support for serious mental health disabilities. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.